welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Good morning, Dr. Jane. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I'm doing great. Well, we're into the eighth month of COVID-19 crisis. Not sure if we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but hopefully soon. People are growing weary and stressed to the max as we move into the holidays. Warnings that discourage gatherings of any kind. There are already so many demands during the holidays, and this seems to magnify those demands. Well, you know what? I'm sure you're right, Anna. You know, it's this is the time of year uh, that friends and family, coworkers, colleagues often go out of their way to make things special, uh, to do extra favors for each other. You know, to really acknowledge and show appreciation for you know, people in their lives. Yeah. Well, being nice, kind, thoughtful person or being around nice, kind, thoughtful people feels good. So where do we get into problems? Well, you know, Anna, the, and as we've talked in, in preparation for this, you know, I don't wanna pathologize uh, people pleasing. You know, I, I don't wanna throw empathy or kindness or generosity or compassion under the bus. And, and I want to avoid any kind of sweeping generalities, but I want to talk about how people pleasing uh, can really undermine our self-care. And I speak to this from not just a professional standing, but also a personal standing. I'm very familiar with this. And, and it's about people pleasing and accommodating and rescuing. And at its extreme, we move into another category that we'll talk about at another time, which is codependency. Uh, but our focus today is really about how people pleasing can disrupt the balance of our self-care and the balance in our lives. And therefore it's gonna affect our self-esteem. So this particular style of relating can at times, if we're not aware of it, really be depleting, even in the best of times. But given that we're in this prolonged stress of the crisis, you know, it can have an even more depleting effect on us as the holidays arrive. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think a lot of us can relate to that, Dr. Jane. And people pleasing can look good on the surface, but I'm sure there's a downside that we'll discover. Well, and it's like so many of our other previous conversations, Anna, this is about awareness. It's really about an inside job. Um, we have to be able to uh, be aware of the yeses that we're constantly making in life, you know, and, and I have found this uh, sometimes a full-time job myself, you know, to turn toward that and, and, and really look at what are my motives? Because so often our motives are both conscious, but also unconscious. You know, the, the motives are, what do, I, what do I hope to get from this? You know, very often I, I, I kind of frame that as um, a return on investment, you know, and, and think about myself sometimes as, you know, am I as smart as that mouse running up the tunnel? You know, because the mice in the labs run up the tunnel if there's cheese. If there's no cheese, they don't run up the tunnel. But you and I have this imagination. So not only do we run up the tunnel when there's cheese, but all I have to do is think that there's cheese there and I'll keep running up the tunnel. So what I'm suggesting is not that we criticize ourselves or that we judge ourselves you know, or our motives, but, but really just kind of follow the thread of the yes and take a look at what is my accommodating? What am I getting from it? What am I getting from it? Are the motives forgotten? Have I put them aside? Um, and, and really 
be open to that process because these things become habit. We do it enough and they become habit. And sometimes there are strings attached. Sometimes it's about, I want to feel needed or special, um, or, or sometimes it's about keeping the lid on somebody or, or maintaining control. Um, so it's about uh, eventually, if I continue to do it in a mindless way, I can become trapped in it. And then I'm just kind of on that automatic pilot routine. And all of a sudden it becomes that modus uh, operandi that I do without even thinking about it. And it can lead to exhaustion. Yes, let me guess. It starts in that early socialization and conditioning that we've talked about. Oh, Anna, you're so right. You're so right. And it, it really is about the shoulds that we were taught as kids, what a good kid should do, what a good girl, good boy should do. And, and we received a lot of, of um, training around this, most of us. Sometimes it was even modeled at home. You know, we were also told, don't be selfish, be helpful, think of other people, don't rock the boat. Um, and, and eventually... Um, it can become kind of a shield for us, a way to cover up our inadequacies or kind of put together um, a formula of how we want other people to know us. And often children are, are rewarded, you know, in many, many ways. It's not only by, by um, outward shows, uh, uh, an outward show of affection or compliments, but very often it was about um, rewarded because a child could avoid certain unpleasantness in the home. You know, it's a way to keep the lid on um, mom or dad or, you know, kind of navigate in this arena that very often is unpredictable, you know, or um, that, that can all of a sudden uh, blindside us. You know, and kids can be very, very savvy about finding ways to, to deal with that. And people pleasing really can become part of that, part of that pattern, part of that automatic pattern. So we learn early on that doing things in a certain way is how we can gain love, feel needed or special, which can also sometimes control others or even situations, none of which are, are bad or wrong. No, you're absolutely right. You know, in fact, I think it's quite savvy of a child to be able to, to navigate these unpredictable waters, you know, in family and, and in social life. And sometimes it's about getting attention. Sometimes it's really about this is the way I can maintain my own safety. You know, and, and so it's about exploring what the motives are, kind of being able to pull up that chain of content about how did I learn how to do this? You know, what was in it for me back then? And how does it serve me now? So it's, it's, it's really looking at we have, if we started early on in our childhood, we really mastered some of these skills. They've become part of how we maneuver ourselves in everyday life. We're, we're not even thinking about it. We're not even conscious of the motives. So this is an opportunity to just turn inward, turn toward ourselves and say, you know, what's up? What's running the show behind the scenes? So when does it become harmful? Well, the potential uh, for harm um, is that we abandon ourselves. We tend to um, become invisible to ourselves. And sometimes we become invisible to others, except for our people-pleasing behavior. So, you know, our wants and needs are sometimes dismissed or, or um, other people come first. And life becomes all about high expectations, other people's expectations, or our expectations to meet their expectations. You know, and this can build resentments toward ourselves, can build resentments toward other people continuously saying yes, um, even when I don't have the time or the energy 
or maybe the money, you know, can, can lead to some regrets and some resentments. Yeah, some of those things sound familiar to me. I can sense the problem building. Well, yes. And for starters, you know, it arrests our personal development. Because if I'm solely reliant on, you know, meeting other people's needs, it's kind of that, that external reference, you know, I'm really not learning my own internal compass. I'm not able to really put together my own boundaries or, or um, put some limits or some breaks on saying no, or even saying not now. So we set it, we really set it up for people to take advantage of us. And, and we let them do this because we're not learning how to set limits and they don't think we have limits. So um, it really kind of begins to be a pattern of sometimes everyday life. You know, the other thing is that, that as we do this, we never learn to tolerate others' discomfort. So it becomes very, very difficult. We become, you know, kind of heightened. Um, um, uh, we have a heightened reactivity or a lack of tolerance to other people's distress. You know, it's like, I need to keep everybody happy. So we're constantly acquiescing to others' demands without any boundaries. And again, this fosters uh, resentment and it fosters uh, exhaustion and it can even lead to, you know, our own burnout. Wow, that's, that's really interesting. What does the actual accommodating or people-pleasing behavior look like? Well, uh, there's a whole menu. You know, and I'm, as, as I, I think about these, you know, I, I, certainly, I certainly have my favorites. Things like apologizing for things that we're not responsible for. You know, there's sometimes that, I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a situation where you're constantly saying you're sorry, and yet, yet you didn't do anything, but you really yeah. are, you see the other person's distress, and so you're just, and I'm so, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so, you know, we're not responsible for that. Also, a preoccupation of what other people think of me which kind of keeps me moving into that, that people pleasing. I want them to like me or be attracted to me or um, always deferring to someone else, to their decisions, not really having an opinion or sometimes incessant flattery, you know, is a way to, to, to really highlight that that's a, that's a people pleasing kind of a, um, a behavior. Um, saying yes, when we don't have, as I said, the time, energy, you know, money or whatever uh, to agree to something and feel good about it. You know, or the other piece is um, when we become really like um, overwhelmingly uh, reactive when loved ones are unhappy. It's like we just, it's like we bottom out with that. It's like there's really no boundary or separation. So that's where I become responsible or feel I'm responsible and get into the rescuing. The, the, the other piece that, that I find very often for myself is kind of second guessing you know, perpetually, perpetually kind of, you know, making a decision and then second guessing, depending on what I think other, someone else is going to say. Well, I know these sound so familiar to so many of us, I'm sure. <laughs> we do have our, we do have our favorites, don't we? It yes. can also show up as kind of not knowing what I want. You know, somebody might suggest, you know, um, where would you like to go to eat? Oh, I don't care. What do you want? You know, rather than looking at, you know, do I care, you know, or, or why don't I care? And there are other times on, and I find this within family and, and friends relationship, that, that sometimes it's hard to tell the truth. 
And it's not out and out lying, but it really is based on kind of, it's like, I want to dole out pieces of the truth because I don't believe that the family relationship or the friendship can really handle the truth. So I'm just kind of giving little pieces to it. Um, the other piece is, is that, and, and I can, I know this for myself, is that I'll do it myself. It's like someone will offer to assist with something. And, it, and it's kind of like, I, I kind of like rear back and it's kind of like, I can handle it because I don't want to perceive, be perceived as not being able to be in charge or being weak or, um, so there's that, that, that can really be, um, really be one of the, like for myself, kind of the, a kingpin of, I don't want anyone else to be inconvenienced. And then there's also this, this behavior of being the chameleon. And that is, you know, I'll, uh, uh, kind of look at what other people need and assume what other people need and then jump in and provide that sometimes without them even asking. You know, it's kind of like having that, that um, omniscient kind of a knowing what everybody needs to be comfortable. And part of that is part of a training of, you know, being a gracious host or hostess, but it can also be this piece that, that really allows us to deplete ourselves unknowingly. But it, it really is, you know, it, this pattern is, and you can tell it, it's yes, 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 because I'm afraid of somebody else's reaction if I don't accommodate them. Yeah. So it, it, it maneuvers into all kinds of behavior, including rescuing, which is I'm okay and, and you're not okay, so I need to handle it for you. <laughs> well, there were more than a few that I can identify with. <laughs> Absolutely. Isn't it the truth, Anna? Yes. It, and this all starts with, Awareness. I have my favorites as well. Um, but remember, these are conditioned responses. I'm conditioned to the behavior, and I'm also conditioning other people to expect it. So there's this inter, um, interpersonal dynamic that keeps it going. And, and often, um, um, we're in this place where we're in it so automatically, so reflexively, that we're not even tuned into it. It continues to play out. And where we pick up, you know, some reactivity is when we're at that place where I'm feeling resentful or regretful, or maybe I'm angry, or sometimes I don't get the return on my investment. I do something, go out of my way, exhaust myself, and it's not really appreciated. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I'm going to react to that. So, so it's about, we have to be willing to say yes but we also have to be willing to say no. And so often we're saying yes to someone else and we're saying no to ourselves. Yes. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm wondering about the impact this has on, all, on others, you know? Well, and, and it is, it is an enabling behavior and it can enable unproductive, sometimes harmful behavior in others. You know, it interferes with the natural consequences of others' behaviors sometimes gives the message that maybe they aren't as capable as we are, can rob them of the dignity of, of really facing life's stress, life on life's terms, you know, and, and conditioning other people to be dependent on us is, is one of the other pieces. So this kind of can fall on a continuum of, of a mild to severe. Uh, with people pleasing that we're talking about today, we're really talking about kind of mild to moderate. When we get into that severe category, that's really the codependency that we'll cover at another time. What is the end product if someone continues to people please, Dr. Jane? Well, as it consumes us, exhaustion is the product and, and resentment is the product. And, and um, it can be 
it, it can be from any place. It can be family, friends, work, volunteer services. And, and as we begin to move into um, this kind of exhaustion, life narrows. And so it can begin to affect you know, our sleep patterns and make us more irritable. We feel more fatigue. This is where we get into that, what we've talked about in the past is kind of painful engagement. You know, so we're feeling overwhelmed and we're feeling like I no longer want to do this. It's like I have to do us. I have to do it. And so this is where the codependency comes in that we'll be talking about later. So what can one do about it? Well, you know, like all the other things that we've talked about, it's really a process. It starts with personal awareness. Um, I have to turn toward myself. I have to get honest with myself, see what I'm doing, you know, admit that it's a problem. But it's not always a problem. So it's admitting when it is and when it isn't. Um, so it's really highlighting those, the negative effects. You know, when does it, when does this not work for me? When does it interfere with my self-care? Um, and so we inquire within ourselves, you know, what keeps me doing this? What do I hope to get from it? You know, um, can I get what I need without people pleasing or are not people pleasing as much? Um, can I give without losing myself? And that's the real key. Can I give without losing myself? Yeah. So people pleasing is like the autopilot thinking, you know, that, well, that conditioned yeah. behavior, we, we turn toward the difficulty and observe what's going on inside. So there's no judgment or criticism. That's right. That's right. We have to get close to it. We have to turn toward it with awareness, get to know it better, really kind of befriending it. You know, who are we, who are the likely recipients of my people pleasing? You know, what's likely to happen if I operate differently? You know, what do we stand to lose? What do they stand to lose? What do I stand to lose? So Dr. Jane, these are, these are tough questions. You know, I'm not sure that everyone can find the answers very easily. Well, usually not at first, Donna, you know, but that's why we need to spend some time observing and inquiring. It's just tuning into as we're in the process of saying yes, just letting us kind of drop into what do I hope to get from this? You know, what, what, what's behind this? Um, and, and quite frankly, behavior change doesn't happen. It's not like a one shot deal. It really is just kind of gently bringing ourselves back, you know, bringing ourselves back with, with kindness and curiosity to just investigate what's happening here, what's happening here. So it's an ongoing awareness that allows us to make conscious choices. So I can learn to say yes to myself instead of always to others. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. But others might not like it. Right again. <laughs> Yeah. And so we have to ask ourselves, what if I receive um, a negative response? You know, what if it causes conflict? What am I, what am I prepared to do? Yeah. Well, I would imagine that, that would work better if we give others a heads up before we change. Well, I think you're absolutely right again. You know, we're changing the rules of the game. The rules of our relationship, the rules of friendship. So sometimes it's the rules of uh, the relationships with coworkers or supervisors. So I always suggest, you know, that prior to making any changes that will affect anyone else, it's about having dialogues, you know, where we're actually talking about what it will mean to um, have them accept and support the changes that we want to make for our self-care. You know, and so often if people are invested in us, they're willing to step up 
and, and provide that support for our, our self-care. So um, we've trained them to say um, it's not important. And so we're kind of bringing that around to say, yeah, will you, will you allow me to have this? Because it'll keep me healthy, it'll keep me whole. Dr. Jane, this sounds doable, but truthfully, should we be less concerned about others and more concerned about how we will maintain the new behavior? Well, I agree on it. You know, the awareness skills, you know, are, are so, so important. So it really is about staying tuned into what the poles are when I'm in the behavior and also what it feels like when I step out of the behavior and it's making new choices, you know, trying things on kind of renegotiating, you know, how we get things done, how we get things done with other people, you know, and there's some things that, that, I, I like to suggest that just really kind of slow down the process, you know, and it's like, we don't have to make a blanket change, pick one person or organization and just begin to navigate new territory with them um, and add more as you feel more confident. You know, I also suggest, and, and this is something that I found in my own life is not to agree to anything. If you're a consummate ple people pleaser, it's about not agreeing to anything when you're standing up on the phone or when you're heading out the door, kind of on the run, you know, hand on the doorknob, because we're, we're going to be in that autopilot response. And it's also being willing to say to people, let me get back to you on that. You know, this gives us time to weigh in. Um, ask ourselves, how important is this? You know, do I have the time or energy for it? Um, why, why, why would I do this? Why would I not do this? And who will it affect? Yeah, so, so many people I know are gonna be able to relate to the, all of this, Dr. Jane. And this is certainly a project that can only be done one day at a time as it affects so much of our lives. Our next conversation follows this people-pleasing topic into exploring how parents need to attune to specific warning signs that kids may be having trouble coping. Oh, Anna, you're right. And I, I was just hearing on the news last night about the, the, the focus now, because so many of the kids are, are back into doing the virtual classrooms because of the surge, you know, that they're a special population. And, and, it's interesting because sometimes the acting out or the, the signs are very visible, but sometimes they're not. And so it really is about the caregivers, you know, and the family and the parents to really allow, you know, for a certain vigilance of, of looking out for what might be signs, because sometimes they're very apparent and sometimes they're, they're more hidden. So we'll, we'll talk about that at our next, at our next conversation. Yeah. Well, as always, thank you, Dr. Jane, for your incredible insights. Uh, speaking of apologizing, I, I had really bad allergies this morning for some reason, so I was not crying while you were speaking. I, I, was, I was wiping the tear that was trying to run down my cheek before, uh, before we were done. So thank you again. You're incredible. You're, you know, your insights are always incredible, Dr. Jane. You have a wonderful week. Thank you, Anna. You take care. I look forward to next time. Yeah, until our next conversation.